Welcome to All Things Sleep and Parenting. I'm Pam. And I'm Elisa. We are holistic infant and child sleep consultants with a background in early childhood education. And we're the founders of Restful Parenting. And I'm Heidi. I'm also an early childhood educator and the owner of Blossom Early Learning. Join us as we chat all things sleep, parenting, development, and everything in between. Be sure to hit subscribe and share with your friends and family. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode. Once again, it's a super exciting episode. We actually are being very privileged with the honor of chatting with Dr. Lynetta Willis. She is a psychologist, family empowerment coach, speaker, and award-winning author. She helps frustrated families break free from stable misery and unhelpful parenting and partnership patterns so they can create more harmony at home. And what we are chatting about today is transforming intergenerational drama. But before we jump into that, welcome, Dr. Willis. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. I know we were just chatting up before we hit record, laughing away. So hopefully you guys are going to hear some of that as we get going. Uh, Dr. Willis, as we jump in, uh, I'd really like to hear kind of what led you to this, how you became all of these amazing things. But before we do that and jump into our actual topic, can you just a little blurb about the stable misery? Because that really piques my interest and I'm super interested in this. Um, So just a little blurb. We'll direct our families how they can find more information about it. And then we'll jump into our actual topic. Yes. So stable misery is um, a phrase that I love to use I've used it for, for like 20 years that describes the situations that parents and families often find themselves in when there's no real crisis, like nothing's exploding necessarily, but we're left feeling unhappy. Things just don't feel good. We don't enjoy parenting. We don't enjoy our partnership. Um, in partnerships, I often hear partners say like, I feel like we're just roommates sharing a space or with mm. parents, I'll hear them say things like, you know, I just don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy parenting or I don't enjoy being with my child. And it's stable because it's familiar. It's consistent, right? The same patterns and habits are repeated again and again. It's like Groundhog Day, Um, whether it's consistent yelling and being frustrated or just a consistent like, but it's miserable because everybody's unhappy. Nobody feels good. And it's a crappy place to be in. So I love helping people to recognize that state. Well, they often recognize it on their own, but I help them once it's recognized <laughs> to break free from that. Yeah. Uh, amazing. I'm sure, especially with COVID, like oh. that has must have just put everybody. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can, understand. I, can, I can relate to a lot of that for phases. I can't say it's something consistent, but mm-hmm. definitely I've gone through phases of that feeling. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because I always say, you know, stable misery is, is not like a, so the opposite of stable misery is joy. You know, that's the way I look at it. And it's not really an on-off switch. It's more like a dimmer switch. Right. So you can use stable misery as an indicator. So there are times, so my husband and I, we were in stable misery marriage for many years. um, And now we use those stable misery tendencies more as a sign. Like, oh, you know what? I feel like we're kind of moving towards that stable misery end. Like, what can we do to shift that? Mm. Um, as opposed to just sinking all the way down, lights off, power off, you know? And so, yeah. like, how can we move ourselves closer to joy and less away from misery? So sometimes people kind of hover, which makes it hard because sometimes it's like, it's not horrible, 
but it's not good either. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be here until I die. Yeah. Yeah. And that like, okay, I just, I just going to wait for that, this phase to be over and then it's going to get better. And then I'm just going to wait for this phase, but it it doesn't because you're just, and this is something that we see with sleep as well. It's, you know, maybe this next, if we just get over this bump, then, then, you know, it'll get back on track or we have a chance of it being on track, but you, it really just kind of continues and that roller coaster, you don't, you don't, you're not getting off that ride. Exactly. Uh, Dr. Willis, that was, that's amazing. And we will make sure that we link all of the information that we have that you've shared with us for uh, our families to be able to uh, explore that a little bit more, especially if any of those points that you chatted about kind of hit home, we'll make sure that they have that. Before jumping into transforming intergenerational drama, uh, what led you to what you're doing right now? And, you know, the discovery of your stable misery and all of the stuff that you're doing, what set you on this path? So when I was younger in my family, um, children, there were certain values and beliefs around how to raise children. And one common one one was that children should be co-parented with what I like to call the four horsemen or the four horsemen mindset of pain, blame, shame, and avoidance. (sighs) So that was often used to keep children in line. And um, what, as I grew, I had, I have a sister she calls me her second mom because she's 20 years younger than me. Don't ask me what my mom was thinking. <laughs> no, I still to this day don't know. And uh, when one day when we were together in the kitchen, she said or did something. It just made me livid. And I looked at her and I said um, something like, I'm so angry at you. I could come over there and smack you or something like that. And she was like two. And she's like in her twenties now, but, um, at the time I just remember, I could still see the look on her face. She was like sitting in this little high chair and her face just dropped. Mm. And I remember in that moment, I was like, what did I just do? Did I really just threaten to hit a two-year-old? Like what? And in that moment I said, and I didn't even have kids at this time. I wasn't married, but I distinctly remember thinking, this stops here. This stops here. Like all the four horsemen, they are, they are, they, they are officially retired, you know? And then, and I also had some of my traumas and dramas of my own. Um, and so I did what any reasonable person does when they have a bunch of stuff to heal. I went and got an education on how to heal it. Amazing. I didn't really want to go to therapy. That's just, that's <laughs> just too much. I'll go learn how to do this. <laughs> Spoiler alert, that doesn't work. So um, (laughs) still got to go through and do the work. So I went, got a ton of education um, and still realized that my stuff was still showing up in my most important relationships, especially when I got married. And I decided to do my own healing work and realized as I worked with clients in private practice and otherwise that this is something that really affects people, like how we were raised, the experiences that we have, even though they were in the past, they can still be very much alive in our present life. And unless we take conscious, mindful steps to deal with them, they can impact us and those around us in harmful ways, your unintended ways. So then it became just one of my missions uh, to really help families to shift how they're showing up with each other, to um, parent differently and partner differently than they were raised or what was modeled for them growing up. And that really puts us into that transforming intergenerational drama. Mm -hmm. Now, a little bit different than trauma because 
and and this is kind of what Elisa and I were chatting about before we got on with you as well was you know it's not necessarily you don't have to have just trauma in your life to be affected as an adult it's all of the stuff that our parents and our grandparents lived through um, and how they parent and how it comes down to us. One of the biggest pieces that we find with our families is, and not, not everybody, I'm not putting down a whole blanket over this generation, but the generation, uh, which I'm sure you're very close to us, is uh, boys don't cry. Men mm. should not, right? Be the man in the family. Boys, big boys don't cry. Put your tears away. So we're finding that in our families, if our parents didn't feel emotionally supported as children, they have a hard, harder time adjusting to emotionally supporting their children sometimes, um, but that can kind of be that piece. So parenting and partnering differently from your past, shifting toxic parenting and partnership patterns modeled for you growing up so you can live and leave a new legacy with those you love is kind of that intergenerational drama that we're trying to shift right so let's chat about that I can't wait to get into this yes yes and you know everything you said yes (laughs) (laughs) I I wish that was that easy (laughs) oh just do that and let's be done let's let's move on (laughs) it was like we we were talking about in the before we started I really, one of the reasons I love working, love, love, love working with the parents that I work with. And I have a program called Triggered to Transform. It's a parent coaching program. And I learn so much from them. And the thing that I really, really love is the reason why I really love working with them is because I know how much courage it takes to do what they are doing. It is not easy. It is not easy to say, I'm going to break these cycles. I'm going to break these legacies. I'm going to retire these horsemen. It is so easy just to say, you know what, this is how I was raised. I turned out fine, you know, and just <laughs> go on. Right. We were kind of joking, like, did you know? Yeah. Um, did you know? <laughs> did, did you really know? Let's, let's peel away some of those layers and let's I see. Really there. <laughs> Ask the people around you. They'll yeah, yeah. have more insight into whether Let, let me not. chat with your partner and some of your friends. Let's really see. <laughs> So I know it takes so much courage and sometimes it feels like one step forward, two steps back. Right. But it's, it's, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And for me, the reason why I like to use the words trauma and drama, especially when we're talking about intergenerational stuff is there are some traumas that we didn't personally experience. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't, I'm I'm a African-American woman. I didn't personally experience slavery. Right. But there are traumas that were experienced then that literally play out. I think of dramas like drama on a stage. We play the patterns again and again and again and again across generations. And it impacts um, how we raise children, how we see the world, how we see ourselves. An example I often use is beatings and whippings, right? Like that's something that was used to keep kids in line. That was something that was used to keep slaves in line a long, long time ago, right? You beat them, you whip them, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's something that while nobody, my grandmother and my myself, like we didn't specifically experience the trauma of horrible whippings and things like that, but that, that trauma, that pattern continued to pass down through my family legacy after, and it's, it's a legacy that has continued and the thought process behind it. Like, this is the way that you keep people in line. This is how you keep people safe and together. This is how you keep people organized. Like, right. Like that whole process and thought process 
has been passed down. So that drama continues to play out. And it's important that we as parents, and when we talk about healing intergenerational traumas and dramas, is we get clear on what is the drama? What are those drama patterns that are playing out still in my life today? And I actually created a framework called the PATHS framework that I use to help families really explore how it's showing up because sometimes we don't know we don't even know what it is but the the only thing we can do is really look at like what are the breadcrumbs what are the patterns that are showing up in my life that are showing up in my mom's life and so on and so forth that can give me some insight into that and for years a lot of the what I feel like when I was growing up as a young adult was that's just who I am that's my personality that's just who I am and it's only really been again, in my life, the last, you know, 10, 15 years where childhood traumas, childhood drama, the way your parents think about money, the way your parents talked about. So one of the examples that I come back to is that the Great Depression, my grandparents, we, you never threw out even a morsel of food. And that came down to my parents that came down to us more. So now even my mother will say, you know, your grandmother would be rolling in her grave if she saw us throwing out this food. We just, that was stuff that came down from generation to generation. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And, you know, I talked about the PADS framework and the first it's an acronym. Um, and the P stands for perspective. And that involves the stories that we tell ourselves, right? The stories in our head. And that is the first landmark, if you will, or the first area where we can start to explore and do some detective work to find out what are some of these intergenerational traumas and dramas. And I also want to say, little pause moment, that there are also um, great things that are passed down to us as well, you know? And so as where I talk about uh, how we come into this world, I actually did this video I talk about how we come into this world with these trees, these legacy trees, and they bear two types of fruit, legacy blessings and legacy burdens. And what we really want to do is we want to identify what are these burdens so we can prune it, take it off the tree. And then what are the blessings so we can nurture it, continue to grow it, take the seeds from it, plant them in Amazing. the hearts of our children and continue to grow their own trees. Right. I love that. Right. So it's one of those things where it's like understanding, like we have, there are good things that are, that we get to, even in some of the most horrific environments, sometimes there are those tiny little seeds that we can pull away. And back to what we were talking about, <laughs> looking at the story. So around money, I had one client who um, we, we were doing some deep work and she realized that one of the stories in her family was um, we don't have, there's, there's no room, like, what was it? It was crying and tears are a luxury. Mm. Crying and tears are a luxury. And what she realized was that her legacy is filled with farmers, filled with farmers. So from their perspective, we have to get up and farm this land. If we don't farm this land within this time, we will not have food for the winter and we will die. So there is no time and room or energy that we can give towards your tears mm -hmm. or your discomfort or your needs. You need to eat. So go ahead and pick that whatever. You know? right, yeah. So realizing this idea around emotions, she was like, this isn't mine. And, and that is such a... a powerful way to think about it and look at it like is what you're carrying does it really belong to you or was it something that was just handed to you you know and one one way we can do that is to look at the stories what are the stories or the core beliefs that we carry that we think of 
um, when we, you know, just on day to day and, and really asking ourselves, like, where does that come from? You know, so things as simple as children should be seen and not heard, right? Like mm-hmm. you rarely may hear somebody say that now, but how do you show up, right? Like if you're talking to adults and a child comes in, how do you feel towards that child or, or that situation? You know, how do you respond? How do you react, right? And so being able to recognize and say like, okay, these stories give me some really good insight into what it is that's been passed down to me. And then once I have that, then I can move to the A, which is the awareness. That's what A stands for, you know, and that's around getting aware of how do I show up? How do those stories play out in my life and in my relationships, especially with my children? How do I feel towards my children's feelings, right? How, Mm -hmm. when my children act a certain way, how do I react? And what does that mean about what's been passed down to me and, and the, 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 what I'm sometimes we literally store in our bodies, the beliefs and the history that's been passed down to us. So those are two things that we can absolutely look at and use to help explore what some of these dramas are and how they're playing out in our life so that we can make a clear choice on what we want to shift and what we want. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Taking that pause and, and even just that, like that first step, just take that pause. And it's like, oh, that was a, that was a reaction that didn't seem like a big thing, but I reacted greatly to it. What's behind that? The (laughs) other thing that I noticed about triggers, which is super cool is they've actually updated the definition in the dictionary now. So it's, Amazing. You know, I know. so it's no longer just the thing on the gun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally when your past is impacted, I know it's not, this is my definition, but you know, yeah. when, when you realize that your past experiences are impacting your present moment, right? Then there's usually something in that moment that probably has triggered you and, and led you to react in a way that you're not helpful for. So that's a really cool update. That, like, it really oh. is. <laughs> Again, just opening up so many pieces, boundaries and triggers and all of these things that the next generation is going to be able to take and really move things forward uh, because we've been in, yeah, some very interesting times the last little bit, like you said, right? Children should be seen and not heard and, you know, boys don't cry. Like all of these uh, that weren't helpful towards children whatsoever were more helpful for parents, I would imagine. Um, that's why they did it. Uh, whereas, yeah, now we're trying to really, how are we raising these little people to become full adults, full functioning adults that aren't just fine, but are doing better than just, I did live through it and I was fine. We want better than that. Exactly. So the T, that's the tools that we tend to use, right? So T stands for tools and it's looking at like, what tools do I use? Again, playing the detective. And, and I, I, I use the word tools very intentionally. What I like to say is we're always using tools in a relationship. The question is, is this tool helpful or is it unhelpful? So taking five deep breaths is a tool, yelling and shaming are tools. They're all tools, right? It's just some are more helpful than others. So being really clear about um, um, what tools and how you're showing up and being able to connect that to where is, is this, you know, something that was modeled for me, something that I was taught, or is this something new, right. That I've created Mm -hmm. Um, an example that came up with one of my clients with this was growing up. He was always, um, 
his parents were just what we would call very neglectful emotionally. And when he would do things wrong, his father would literally stop talking to him for weeks. Oh gosh. Like weeks, you know, and it was, it was such a painful experience for him. And so connection is really important for him and his child, what children usually do, they go through that phase where they only want mama, 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 mama. Mm -hmm. And what would happen is when that would happen with him, when the child would ask for mama, he would get very triggered and very um, spiteful and bitter towards the child. And it was, it was almost like watching two eight-year-olds go at it, you know, like, I need you, every one of my fun. You don't want me. I don't want you, blah, blah, blah. You know? And it's mm. like, here is this grown man. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he could see it. It wasn't like yeah. he was completely oblivious. Right. And yeah. he realized this was a very young part of him, a very young part of him that was, so there was a part of him that was neglected. And I always like to say, though, we appear to be one being, we have many parts within us, right? Yeah. And we have some parts that carry our wounds and we have other parts that are protective of us. So if you envision this very young part of him that was neglected, and then there's another part that's very protective, right? And so what was happening is this protective part was coming out and saying, never again, never again, will yep. I be rejected? Never again, will I be neglected? And so it was like projecting onto this child, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. These past traumas. And then when you look further back into his father's history, you learn that his father actually got it worse, way worse. Oh, right? gosh. So this, this history of, and I'm sure if you looked at granddad's history, he probably yeah. got it even worse, right? So the way that these things are passed down are often passed down in the tools that we use. So that's another way that we can look and say like, this tool that I'm using, whether it be spanking or yelling or whatever the case may be, is this something that I want to continue? Is again, is it mine? Is it something that I've created in my own life to use with my children? Is it something that I want to keep? If not, why? Or is this something that was passed down to me? And either way, do I want to keep it in my toolbox or do I want to replace it? With mm -hmm. Right. So looking at our stories, the other quick thing I want to say about stories that I forgot to mention is sometimes it's not just looking at our stories. It's also looking at the stories of our parents yes, right? and grandparents. Like what are, like you gave the example, the great example of the great depression, right? Like what are some of those stories that they're saying? Like if you could look at your mom and think like, what might be some stories in her mind? right? What might be some stories that she's carrying around and just Absolutely. think about that, right? And think like, how might I be living that story too, you know? Um, so looking at the stories in our head, being aware of um, our body sensations and the feelings that come up in us and, and when we're triggered. Also looking at the tools that we tend to use with our kids. So P-A-T, the H stands for healing. And that often is around, and I say, you know, when you're, when you're in a situation where you know that you've experienced a trauma, it's really important that you address that and yeah. you work towards like, how can I heal this? How can I shift this? Right. What is, what is connecting to this? The other question that can go in this is in terms of the detective piece, like how are you handling stress? You know, how do you, mm -hmm. stress? so when you get stressed or triggered, how do you handle those situations? And this can often be tied to, there's a, a lot of people know about this um, work around attachment style, 
right? Absolutely. Purely attached, dismissive avoidant attached, you know, things like that. And so one example that I like to give is um, when I get stressed, like really, really stressed, I can definitely, my default attachment style is more in that dismissive avoidant. And that is absolutely tied to how I was raised and the amount of support um, I had and things like that. So the dismissive avoidant is more of like, I can do this myself. I don't, I don't really need, I don't need help. I'm fine. I'm fine. I could do this on my own. Right. And when I look back at my mother and my grandmother, and I can see that stress style, like response style is very prevalent in my family around, like, I can do it on my own. I'm fine. Right. So realizing like that can also be a point of healing, right? Like in realizing for me, like dealing and healing those parts of me that feel like it's not safe to rely on others for support. Like it's not safe because it really comes down to a sense of safety. Right. It's not really that I feel I can do it all on my own. It's I've had to learn in some ways that I need to do it all on my own, right? Because I can't trust my feelings. I can't trust my body. I can't trust my thoughts with others because they might get galloped all over by the four horsemen, right? So being able to look at, well, how do I tend to show up when I'm stressed or overwhelmed or triggered? And, you know, being able to figure out like, is that something that I learned from my past? That's another little trick. Um, and then lastly, the S stands for self-empowerment. And a good question is there is how do you tend to seek or gain power, right? Mm. So do you, you know what, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, right? So do you fight for power? Do you gain power um, by moving away, running around, running out? Do you yeah. gain power by freezing, shutting down, you know, turtling? Um, do you gain power by fawning? right? Like, so the please appease, you know, trying to give in just whatever you want. Fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you do the, the, what I call the flow, which is kind of like that middle zone. Do you do the power with, or use your power within, right? Like where this is where we would love to be all of us. Right. So looking at power is a really powerful thing or <laughs> your how your intergenerational dramas are playing out because how we tend to gain our power I guarantee you is going to tie you back in some ways to how you were able to gain power growing up how your parents were able to gain power you know so on and so forth so looking at like what's my style do I tend to do the fight flight freeze fall which one of flow which one of those do I tend to rely on to get power in situations or seek power especially when you feel powerless so many pieces to figuring out nobody tells you hey you're gonna become an adult and now you have to deal with all the stuff you were raised with (laughs) and now it's up to you to decide are you going to keep it are you going to change it and and I think thankfully there's so much available now. Um, you help families, we help families. There's so much available now that if someone wants to do that work, they can. It's a lot more recognizable. So if you go in and say, hey, I think I might have some childhood trauma, childhood trauma, um, your therapist is going to, or the people that are helping you are going to be able to recognize that and help you through that. Uh, but I think that Uh, just all of what you're saying, the awareness, uh, that perspective, all of that really is the, the, that first 
that first step in bravery, like you said, like this is such a huge step to be able to, to take pause and say, okay, I'm feeling triggered. Mm-hmm. A, recognizing what feeling triggered is. Yeah, um, and then being able to take those steps. Yeah. 100%. In Trigger to Transform, the very first thing we do, um, well, maybe the second thing we do, <laughs> is we <laughs> immediately go in and we start to become aware of how we are and who we are in our bodies. Because stress, trauma, and drama absolutely lives in our body. Absolutely. absolutely. 100%. So the more aware you can become of who do I become when I'm in that fight, you know, flight space, right? What does it look like? And what does it feel like? So a lot of us were raised where emotions, you don't feel those. Your body, get rid of that. Like all of those are just liabilities and they get in the way. And so I know for me, I had to do a reclamation of my power. I mean, of my body, right? Like, oh, hey, body, what's up? (laughs) Right? And especially my feelings. Oh my gosh. Talk about a love-hate relationship with those things for many years, you know? So it, it really is a process that we need to be intentional about, or I invite people to be intentional about around recognizing our feelings as just signposts. They're not good, bad, or indifferent. They're just signposts that give us insight into what's happening. Mm-hmm. right now do we feel connected do we feel disconnected do we feel safe do we feel unsafe right do we want to move towards this thing or this person or away right and getting that insight into that and learning to pause and really tap into our body and say like how is this a full body yes is this a full body no or are we somewhere in the middle in the maybe you know and being able to really just have a relationship with your body and with your feelings feelings Um, like such such huge work Uh, like you said and that's what Elisa and I really try and work on is helping families learn new tools to be able to the tools that are not no longer working for them like you said Mm -hmm. prune those away and add in those tools that will work for them or can work for them and then at the same time be supporting their children because that's one of the biggest pieces I would think across the board the emotional I don't want to go so far as to say neglect, but the emotional, uh, you know, not allowed to really express feelings. We have a lot of clients that um, struggle with their child's upset mm. because they were left alone to cry and never attended to, or they uh, weren't responded to, or they were told to go away and finish crying. So anytime their child cries, they feel like their job is to stop that crying right away. Wow. So they kind of counterbalance it um, where we want to, have that healthy support of those emotions they're allowed to have the emotions you had emotions that weren't attended to we don't want to now stop their emotions from happening we want to be able to respond to them in a healthy way that then helps our children grow it's just so much I mean we do say everybody needs therapy and there's nothing wrong with therapy everybody should have therapy Um, our children will need therapy I'm sure there's stuff that we are again passing down Um, so there's no shame in therapy I think everybody can get a really eye-opening experience from their past but I'd really like to help families uh, be able to connect with you so chat us through like all the ways that they can connect with you and all of the amazing, and we're going to put links in the description and in social media as well. So be sure to find and look for us there. Um, But how can they find some of the really great things that you have to offer? Yeah, 
that, before I do that, can I say one more thing? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Because you brought it up and I, and I and I think it's so important around realize. So what I hear a lot of families say, especially when we get down to this intergenerational pieces, there's a fear of shaming their families, right? And, and bringing up things. And I had to work through this myself. And, and what I often say is, I think of it now as an honor, like I'm honoring my ancestors. I'm honoring the people that came before me by saying, hey, there's a lot you did right. And there's some things that I don't think we need anymore. I think there are some things that we can retire, some things that we can put down. And that doesn't mean that, that you're, you're, the people that came before you are bad in any way, shape. They did the best they could with what they had. Right? That's exactly it. They did you know, the best they could in the situations that they were in, in the environment that they were in. Yep. If yes. I had their upbringing and their environment there, I would have done the same thing, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's, 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 it's not about shaming. Like I would say, it would be such an honor to me if my kids one day came to me and said, mom, you did a lot of right stuff. Thank you. <laughs> and this, 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 and this, we're chucking that because that just doesn't work. Great, because that is how yes. we keep the legacy growing. That is how we keep the legacy expanding in a fruitful way. That's how those branches of the trees start to move towards the sun, right? Instead Absolutely. of withering and dying on the vine. That's not what I want to happen, right? So, so if we think about it that way, like you're actually honoring your family and the legacy by saying, you know what? I'm going to follow the paths. I'm going to be mm -hmm. the detective. I'm going to look at how I'm showing up. And I'm going to be that change agent so that I plant the seeds that I want to plant inside of my child's heart, mind, and spirit so that they can grow. And then they'll do the same thing. So absolutely. Every generation. Well, that's the goal, right? Every generation, we're just doing a little bit differently, a little bit, a little bit differently, a little bit differently, but we're also learning so much more. Infant mm. mental health was not a thing 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Oh. Uh, children's well-being and emotional health was not a thing 30 years ago. So as we're growing, and that's, we always come back to that too, because we do have a lot of families that like, oh, and, it, and it's not that you did anything, you were doing the best you could, given the situation, given the information that you had, because you were being told, boys don't cry, put them away, tell them to go cry somewhere else. That's mm -hmm. what you guys were being told. So that's what they did. So we're just growing and we're just taking the things like you said that have been helpful and we're going to continue passing that on and the things that haven't been helpful we'll learn from and we're going to continue growing from them yes just take the baton run your leg pass it off to the kids sit down in the bleachers and enjoy <laughs> enjoy the rest of the race but don't don't obsess over the leg you know oh my god did yes. I hand the baton off in the right do what you can. I love what you said. Take the small steps, the small shifts, the small changes. We're not trying to turn fish into full-grown men here. Like we're not making <laughs> evolutionary jumps like that. Like just exactly. do what you can and move on. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So back to your question. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, so the thing that I would love for people to do, I actually created a quiz. It's called the um, parenting trigger score quiz. Okay. And what it does is I realized that when we get triggered as parents, we tend to fall into one of three categories, um, a warrior, seeker, or creator. And when you take this quiz, you learn what category you fall into, and it will really help you. Um, you get a free specialized report, and it'll really help you to start peeling back some of the layers that we're talking about. You'll learn more about paths, and you'll also learn 
how your the trigger style you tend to embody, you can use that information to do a little bit more detective work into what within me needs to be healed. How is me, how is the way that I'm showing up impacting or the legacy that I'm leaving? And also how is it impacted by the legacy that was handed to me? So it's a great way to really start to deepen, to dive in deeper into who you tend to become during those stressful, triggering, overwhelming moments and start to make those small, tiny shifts that we're talking about. Fantastic. And where can we find that? Is that on your website? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, I will send you a link. It's on my website. It's also, there's a direct link to it that I will um, give to you so you can put that in the show notes. Okay, perfect. Um, and uh, yes, and my website is drlwillis.com. D-R-L is in ladybug, W-I-L-L-I-S.com. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. And you're on Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, I'm on all the things. I'm really Dr. L. Willis. Get better. Yeah, it's all of them are at Dr. L. Willis. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Trying to get better at posting, I promise. But yes, please join me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, we will link all of that in. Uh, Dr. Willis, this was absolutely amazing. I am thrilled uh, with the direction that this took and the information that you were able to share with us. We are very much appreciative of that. And I know our families are going to take away a ton from this as well. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are so glad to have you part of our program. Thank you for having me. This is great. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. We so appreciate that you've taken that time to come and hang out with us and listen to what we have to say. If you are struggling with sleep or parenting, please know that we have loads of free information on the website um, as well as on the YouTube channel. But if after you've read through everything and you've watched those videos, if you're still struggling, know that you're not alone and that we would love to help. So be sure to check out the website, www.restfulparenting.com. You'll find the link to book your free 15-minute call right there. And if you have any comments or anything you'd like to share with us, please leave them below in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks.